The readings are very short one this morning. It's Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 to 46. It's on page 980 in the Church Bibles, if you have one. The parable of the hidden treasure and the pearl. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then, in his joy, went and sold all that he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, thanks, uh, thanks, Pam. So before we have our first uh, slide up, uh, some of you will recognize and will know exactly what this is, but I'm interested in who is the youngest person uh, in, uh, in church today who knows who this is. Okay, so can we have the first slide? Okay, so put your hand up if you know who this is on the screen. Okay, so quite a lot of people. Now, put your, if you are over 30 years old, put your hand down. <laughs> really? I'm not over 30. Oh, Nathaniel, put your hand down. <laughs> okay, so who have we got? Still, so who is the youngest of the people with the hands still up? I think it might be Marcus. Okay, so Marcus, who is this? It is Anne Frank. And who is Anne Frank? Right, that's, that's right. So Anne Frank is somebody who lived, do you remember where she lived? She lived in Amsterdam for most of her life. And during the Second World War, the Germans took over Holland and much of Europe. And the soldiers um, were against the Jewish people and she was a Jewish person. And so... Um, after a while, she and her whole family had to hide in a secret room behind a bookcase, hoping that they wouldn't be discovered. How many of you, how many of us at school have ever had to imagine that we were Anne Frank? Okay, and that probably applies to um, lots of us. How many of you, maybe at primary school, had to imagine that you were Anne Frank? Anybody ever had to do that? No? Okay, well, I want you to imagine that you're Anne Frank now. What would it be that you can't do? You can't flush the toilet during the daytime, all sorts of things, when you're, when you're in the annex. And before she went into that secret room, she couldn't um, go out to the cinema, she couldn't do the fun things that she wanted to do. Uh, there was always a danger uh, of being mistreated by soldiers. In the street, there were limited food and treats. She couldn't go to school. Even before she had to hide in the annex, um, she couldn't go to school, and she certainly couldn't go to school when she was uh, in the annex. And that's before we even get to the toilet arrangements. Thanks for that, Eva. Now, here is a girl in eastern Ukraine. And you can maybe imagine that the situation of Ukrainian, Ukrainian adults, but Ukrainian children in eastern Ukraine might be something similar to Anne Frank. Lots of the things that they're used to doing during the day, they can't do, can't go out and enjoy normal things because of the occupation of foreign soldiers who are against them. 
Now imagine you're one of these children. What would you want, do you think, above all else? What do you think you would want? Yes, you'd want the attack to stop, wouldn't you? You'd want the nice things to come back, but really what you'd want is the end to what's causing all of that. You'd want the soldiers to go away so that your country would not be occupied anymore and you'd be able to get out and do the things uh, that, uh, that you wanted to do. You'd want an end to the occupation that's spoiling everything. Right, you'd give anything for that. Okay, so just hold that thought in your mind. Today's reading was about hidden treasure and we've got some items of hidden treasure hidden around the church. And I wonder if you're one of the younger ones, maybe primary school age, well, one of the younger ones, if you consider yourself one of the younger ones of school age, you might like to have a look and see if you can find any of the treasure that is hidden around, around church, not in the hall, but just around church. And some of those have got a message attached to them. And if you find one that's got a message attached, if you could come up and bring it to me. I'm going to carry on, but we'll see if we can get the message attached to the treasure. Now, while that's happening, while that's happening, let's look at that passage again. Okay, could it... Oh, no, just, just, just wait here, because I want you to read it out. And if you found another bit of treasure, that would be a bit greedy, wouldn't it? Because there aren't that many. In fact, there are so many children that the treasure might have to be shared. <laughs> let's, um, so let's hear that Bible reading again. The kingdom of heaven, it's really simple, isn't it? The kingdom of heaven's like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold everything he had and bought the field. And the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value... He went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Okay, so there's a nice a, a picture of a pearl in an oyster shell um, on, the, uh, on the screen. Has only one of the message ones been found so far? Okay, let's, let's, let's have the first question on the, uh, on the um, piece of paper. So if you unwind it, what is on the message? Why is the kingdom of God precious to you? Huh. Did this get turned off? Why is the kingdom of God precious to you? Just one minute. Talk to the person next to you. Why is the kingdom of God precious to you if it is precious to you? Or is that a really difficult question? Why is the kingdom of God precious? What can we come up with? Have you found one with... Right, so just wait here a second. If you just, just wait a second. Have we found the messages? Ah, okay, so we have, yes, so we've, we, we have found all, the, all of the messages. Okay, so any suggested answers? Let's take maybe one or two. What, any volunteers? Why is the kingdom of God precious? If you're a vicar, you're not allowed to answer. I'm sure you've got a great answer. <laughs> Why is the kingdom of God precious? Did anybody come up with answers to that? Okay, that is... Right, when we read this passage about how precious the pearl is, 
that the merchant went out and sold everything so he could buy that one pearl. Or the person sold everything. Enjoy, it says. Enjoy. He went and sold everything he'd got so he could buy the field. The thing that strikes you is how precious the kingdom of God is. But maybe it also strikes, you, strikes us kind of, gosh, is the kingdom of God, is Jesus that precious to me that I would sell, give up everything that I have um, for it? And why is it precious? What, what's so precious about the kingdom of, king, kingdom of God? It's a challenging parable, isn't it? Here's my suggestion for why the kingdom of God is so precious. And it's why I talked about Anne Frank and the children in eastern Ukraine uh, at the beginning of the, of the talk. It's because those children in eastern Ukraine, they'd give anything to be rid of the foreign soldiers who are ruining their lives, wouldn't they? And the kingdom of God is precious because it gets rid of the thing that ruins our lives. For Jesus, the kingdom of God is freedom from sin. Now, why is that so precious? Well, it's because of the way sin ruins our lives. Because the thing is, when our relationships and friendships in families or at school or with people that we love or care for, when those relationships go wrong, it's because of unkindness in in our heart or in somebody else's heart, isn't it? It's because of sin that relationships go wrong. We know that. When relationships go wrong between people in a community or between different groups in a community, that's because of sin too, isn't it? It's because one group gets suspicious of another group or um, does something that hurts another group and then the other group is hurt and angry or suspicious and trust breaks down. All of, the, all of those things are to do with sin uh, as well. We went, some of us from church went to um, a Christian festival called New Wine recently. And at that, I went to some seminars on racism. And at those seminars on racism, it was really interesting because there were very different perspectives on racism. For some people, racism was a daily experience of things being more difficult for them because of their ethnicity, maybe because of the color of their skin or because they had an Asian-sounding name. So if you have a name that sounds African or, or, or Asian, you have to put in twice as many job applications as somebody whose name sounds European in order to get a job interview. That's still the case. And actually, that hasn't changed much, apparently, over the last 40 years or so. It's, it's shocking. So for some people, racism was about a daily experience of little disadvantages and big disadvantages. But for other people in the room, racism was like this trick that was played on white people to get, by, by black people and by Asian people to get an advantage, to play the racism card. Now, how, whoever's right about any of that, that's all about sin, isn't it? Whatever's going on in all of that, in all of that division and all of that difficulty, it's all about sin, isn't it? So, and, and, it, and think, if we think about climate change, even when the world is literally on fire around us, it's still difficult for us to make the sacrifices as a whole community that would make a real difference to climate change. Even when the world is literally burning we still as a community find it difficult to take the step, to have it in our hearts to take the steps that will make a difference. Right, so even at the, these, in our friendships at school and in our families, when things go wrong, it's down to sin, in our communities, and even in these big political things, 
it's really sin, isn't it, that's at the root of why these things get such a grip on the world and make things go wrong. So as those of you who know me will be well aware, I do think that political solutions are important, and as we know as a church, community building <laughs> is really important. But when Jesus brings God's kingdom, he is not, it's so precious, and it's more precious than all of those things, because it's dealing not with the symptoms, though that's important too. It's not just dealing with the symptoms, it's dealing with the disease. Jesus' kingdom brings an end, a gradual end, we have to say. It brings an end to sin's domination in our hearts. And it opens the way to walk with the Lord face to face like we were designed to do. And that, I think, is why it's so precious. Let's have another of these messages on the treasure. Uh, Which message haven't we yet had? So let's have this next message. Are you ready to read it? How would you tell these parables or explain them for today? How would you explain these parables for today? Okay, quick, 30 seconds. Can you think of a modern-day version of these parables? Suppose you were Jesus today. How would you tell? You probably, people don't go seeking for pearls, and most of us don't go digging in fields. Some of us do, of course, uh, but, um, but many of us don't. How would you tell this parable to a modern audience? How would you explain it? Quick 30 seconds. Anybody got any ideas? Okay, let's, uh, let's see what you've got. Uh, any volunteers? How would you tell that parable to today's audience? Any ideas? How could you retell it? It's, pretty sim- it's a pretty simple story, isn't it? But how would you retell it to a modern... Go on then, Kath. Oh, Barbara, yeah. Barbara and I thought we, the, the treasure lies in the Word of God. We, we really need to read the Word of God every day, and it can speak to us through that. That's the treasure. That, that's that's, that's marvellously spiritual, and uh, yeah, it is, it is. So, uh, so precious and so valuable uh, every day. Uh, I heard something, uh, Pam, what was your, what was your suggestion? Well, I was sort of thinking like um, something that somebody wanted to do really badly, um, like travel the world. They might sell their house and everything they've got in order to fund that. Yeah, you do sometimes hear about people doing that, like selling everything they've got and going, to, going, off, to live their, going off to live their dream. Yeah, so, or I think I heard something about like discovering the winning lottery ticket. Um, you know, that's, that's, the kind of, uh, that's the kind of thing we're talking about. Now, uh, notice that Jesus said that the person, in their joy, sold everything to buy the field. And the pearl merchant sold everything they had to buy the precious pearl. What do you think Jesus was asking his disciples? Or what was he implying that his disciples might give up? Remember, his, so, Jesus later talked about um, carrying the cross, that anybody who wanted to, um, uh, to follow him needed to take up their cross. Well, a cross was something you got killed on. In the context, when you look at the surrounding verses, Jesus seemed to be talking about family. Can you, remember, can you imagine how shocking that would be to a Jewish 
audience in his day. Family was, I think actually family is kind of everything. Lots of aspects of our world have kind of collapsed around us. And to lots of people today, family is absolutely sort of sacred. Nobody would better say anything about your family or get in the way of you doing things for your family. Right, that's sort of sacred thing almost today, isn't it? But Jesus says, not, impo- not as important as the kingdom of God. Pretty shocking then and pretty shocking now. Wealth and pleasures and even their lives. We might remember that his disciples gave up their careers to follow him. They said at one point, look, look, master, we've given up everything to follow you. And they had. They'd given up their careers. And that would be a big one for me. I love what I do. That would be hard for me to, to give up if the Lord called for that. How many of you know, so out of the 11 disciples who sort of survived, let, let's put Judas out of the question, out of the 11 apostles who sort of were around after Jesus' resurrection, how many of them gave up their lives for the kingdom of God? Any guesses? How, how many out of 11? We've got a guess of 10 here. All 11? Any other, any other guesses? Ah, uh, they don't send you to Vicar School for nothing. Right, so, the, so traditionally the answer is, it is 10. We've, we apparently don't... Um, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. All those three years of study. Yeah. Uh, and you've remembered something as well. That's, that's good too, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so Jesus said... Jesus said, seek as your top priority the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek as your top priority the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And he said, if anyone wants to follow me, they must give up their own priorities, take up their cross and follow me. Okay, let's have the last bit of treasure. Who had the last message? Uh, We've had that one. We've had that one. Where's the third message? Oh, Kath, oh, you were given it. Grace, let's have the last message. What would, you find, what would you find it hard to give up for the sake of God's kingdom? What would you find it hard to give up for the sake of God's kingdom? Uh, so let's, uh, let's just take a few answers. What would you find it hard to give up for the sake of God's kingdom? Grandchildren. Your grandchildren, yeah. Yeah, so family, time with family maybe. Um, friends, yes, be hard to sacrifice, to be in a position where you didn't have friends or your friends turned against you. Yeah, career I've mentioned as well. I love my work. Cycling, yeah, if the Lord asked you to give up cycling, that would be pretty tough for you, wouldn't it, Callum? Um, Now, you see, I think the parable is actually not primarily about giving us a hard time about giving stuff up. I mean, after all, it says that the the guy who found the treasure in the field, with joy, with joy, he sold everything he had. Right? It's not not a parable to give us a hard time, but it is quite a striking parable um, for, for that reason. I think the parable is all about reminding us how precious the Lord is and how precious his kingdom is. It reminds us that Jesus heals everything and that his kingdom brings an end to the domination of sin in our hearts, in the human heart. It's gradual, but that is what his kingdom is about, and one day it will be complete. And I think we need to rediscover, 
for ourselves, for each of us, we need to rediscover how precious he is and how precious his work in us is. How can we rediscover that? How do we rediscover how precious the Lord is and how precious his work is? For me, one way and one challenge that I am taking from this passage is to spend more time in worship. Because when I worship, I often find myself overwhelmed by the love and the grace of God. How, how little I deserve. I come to realize that, how little I deserve, but how much he loves me anyway. How much he's done for me, melting away all the sinfulness of my heart and giving me grace to love and to be kind to those around me. Those are the sorts of things that come into focus and I realize as other things fade out of view when I worship. So worship to me is very helpful um, and really transforming. Um, it allows me in, in, in a certain way, particularly emotionally, to come face to face with the Lord. It enables me to walk with him and to see how he is precious treasure, a precious pearl. How can each of you rediscover how precious the Lord is? So that's a practical question that maybe the, the parable faces us with. What are the, how can we rediscover how precious the Lord is and how precious his work is? Shall we maybe take a moment of quiet? Because the answer might be quite different for different ones of us. I've told you what it's like for me. Maybe that resonates. Maybe that's helpful for some of you. Might be totally different for, uh, for others. Lord, how can we rediscover how precious you are? How can we let you show us how precious you are? We're going to take some time actually now in worship and adoration of the Lord. But as we go into a time of worship, let's pray together. Let me lead us in prayer. Lord Jesus, show us how we can let you rekindle in our hearts a love for you. Show us how we can rediscover the thrill of discovering you and of knowing in you the most precious thing in the whole world. Lord, rekindle and fan into a flame a knowledge of you in our hearts and of how precious you are. Amen.